All right, so we have uh, Sunday school today. We're still working on our discipleship classes. Witnessing for Christ is this week. Um, what's next week? Mother's Day. We're teaching on how to be good mothers, which I know, boy, you, I know. Amen. What's our Sunday school lesson on? Knowing the will of God. That'll be good. So you notice they, uh, they're getting a little more advanced as we go on. And then the week after that's really advanced because it's on personal finance, isn't it? What's it called? Biblical financial stewardship. What, how to, how, what to do with the money the Lord has given you. So if you, you see that uh, there's, there's a growth taking place here and uh, in our learning. All right. So today it will be me. I'm gonna, we're going to go over this about the Great Commission. And let me, let me say this by starting off. Some people don't feel comfortable going out and banging on a stranger's door and giving them the gospel. It's hard on them, you know, and uh, we all have different personalities. I, I, I say you ought to try it. It's good for you and it's good for them. One of the reasons I like going door to door soul winning is it helps you see how people live and uh, remain in reality with the people that we're ministering to. We, we get where they are and we see, we, and also try to meet people. But we also are using a biblical uh, pattern there to knock doors as they always have. They've done this since uh, the book of Acts. And so, you know, going door to door, it even says. So that's why we do it. And even go out two by two, if possible, because they did it in the Bible days. And, and uh, they've been doing it all the way through our forefathers. And we're going to continue doing that. But let me say this. There's other ways to witness for Christ. There's other ways of getting the gospel out. I would say everybody find a way. Find your way. Doesn't mean you have to personally take out the Bible and teach them how to be saved. I would also encourage everyone to, to learn, be, get skillful in leading a soul to Christ. Uh, it'd be one of the greatest things you ever learned. That's, I, could there be any greater knowledge than that? Jesus called it the keys to the kingdom of heaven. You know, so remember that and, and find ways to win people to the Lord. And, and uh, even if it's getting them in church so they get under preaching. Or taking them to someone else. There's many ways. But we all want to be witnesses because Jesus said so. Alright, so let, let's just look at Matthew 28. Ma turn in your Bibles, please, to Matthew chapter 28. Anybody learn how to bypass the governor on that air conditioner? There it goes. Somebody. <laughs> Amen. Did anybody get taught? We need to learn that one. That was good. You know how to do it? We probably ought to lower that a couple of, couple of uh, degrees. It's steamy in here. Yeah, amen. All right, so we're in Matthew 28, verse 18. The Great Commission, it, it's been called. Uh, we don't know who actually came up with that phrase, but we do know this. It's a command of Jesus Christ to His followers. 
And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. So you best listen to Him. All power is given unto Christ. He's the one we're going to stand before and be judged by and get our rewards through. All right, but he, he, all power is given unto Him. The Father delivered it to Him. Plainly says so in 1 Corinthians 15. And so that being said, go. here's what He tells us to do. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. He's speaking to His disciples there right in the Galilean uh, uh, side, the, uh, sides of Galilee there on the shores of Galilee. His 12 disciples, but he's speaking to us because the gospel has to be spread far and wide, and near and far. And so uh, we also know that world missions is a way to obey this, supporting those that go out and give the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even under the end of the world. So he gave this last great command, or we call it the commission, and it's, it's not a burden, it's a privilege. It's a wonderful privilege to, get, to be used of God to give the, the knowledge of the gospel to someone else. And so, you know, it, all of us know people that no one else knows. You know, you're in an amazing situation. You have people that you can help and talk to that no one else can. And you want to try to be fulfill that role of giving the gospel unto them. Jesus harshly rebuked the lawyers of his day because they knew the truth and they were hiding it from people. They threw the key of knowledge away and were giving it to people. They got a harsh rebuke. Uh, so remember that. So it's a personal responsibility to do this. Why do we witness for Jesus Christ? These are simple. Why? We don't want people to go to hell. Amen. Amen. I like that. I'm going to say something about that here in just a minute. That's good. Yeah, we're going we're to talk about that here in just a minute. Number one, Jesus commanded us to do it. He told us to go, Right? So if you want to be obedient unto Him, find a way to do that. Amen. And then, number two, you want to follow His example. That's what He came for. It says there in Luke 19.10, For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. That was what He was about. He came for the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and He sought them out, and He saved them. And then, number three, because... Souls without Christ will spend eternity separated from God in hell. People don't like to talk about that anymore, but this is the truth. If there's a heaven, there's also a hell. And we know this. And so that verse, John 3, 36, uh, I'll just quote it to you. This is John the Baptist speaking. And he said, Whoso believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. Whoso believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. So, it's an in or out, you got it or you don't. And when you have the key, the key is Jesus. We're just passing it on to Him. Now turn over to Luke chapter 16. You know, so Brother Gillen brought that up. I call it the four calls to soul winning. There's four calls out there. There's a call from above. God told us to go. There's a call from below. Those in hell are saying, go preach. You know there's people in hell wishing that we'd go get their 
lost family members and preach the truth to them so they can get saved. So there's a call from above, there's a call from below. There's a call from without. The whole world is without the truth and they need it. There's a call from within. It's inside of you. Bursting forth the truth to give the gospel. So here we are in Luke chapter 16. This is a very sobering passage about the rich man that went to hell and Lazarus, which was a beggar, and he, he goes to heaven. In Luke 16, 19, there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. There was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores. Now notice, this is not a parable. This is certain people. This man even has a name. This is not a parable. This happened. And desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. Bad situation. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom the rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. Now, he, he found his... It says he, in hell he lifted up his eyes. So there's, a, there's a whole chapter in the book of Job that talks about how a person ends up getting into hell once they pass. It's really interesting what the Bible teaches about these things. Uh... But look at verse 24. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy upon me. Send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. He says, please just give me some water to drink. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, there's a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to, to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. I, I think about that. You know, once a person goes to the other side through death, they can't pass through. And once you pass to the other side, you can't pass over to win people to Christ ever again. This is our time. Abraham said, we can't get to you. There's a great gulf fixed. Jesus is the gulf uh, spanner for us right now. So then he said, I pray thee therefore, since that's the case, Father, that thou would ascend him to my father's house. Send him to my family. For I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest they come into this, or also come into this place of torment. This is what hell is, a place of torment. Abraham said unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. He said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. He said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. So that's our call. Jesus said to do it. He led this an example. And because... People that don't get saved and hear the gospel, you can't believe it unless you hear it. And they're going to be in hell forever and ever. And it's hell fire. It's a place of torment. So what is the Great Commission? We read it. And uh, he gives a little outline here. Number one, going. 
Uh, that's that little line, if you don't go, there's no low. Because Jesus said, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the, the world. If you don't go, He's not going to go with you. There won't be any low, the presence of God with you. But He said to go. And what did He tell us to do? Just to teach. You don't have to preach the gospel, even though preaching of the gospel is what saves. Teaching people, all nations, about the gospel of Jesus Christ. The good news. You're being a witness. Here's an interesting thought. The word witness. Jesus said in Acts 1.8, You're witnesses unto me. When we go out witnessing to people, we're witnessing to Christ. We're not only witnessing of Him, we're witnessing to Him that we're out doing what He told us to do. And it's a witness. It's a wonderful... It's, there's not a better way to spend your time. You know, yesterday we knocked a lot of doors. I got one answer. I don't call it a waste of time. No way. No way. Yesterday was a difficult week. The week before was a little was easier. You know, they come and go, but we're not going for results. We're going for obedience. We teach them how to be saved, and then we baptize those that believe. The wonderful act of baptism, and then we disciple them. So that is the Great Commission. You know, I know some people, they won't go. I know some people... They go and they teach the wrong thing. They teach heresy. They teach work salvation. They teach that you can earn it without Christ. They belittle the gospel of Christ. I know some people that go, some people that teach the truth and preach the truth, but they don't push their converse to get baptized. I know some people, they do the first three but they leave off the last one. They don't try hard to disciple those who do come to Christ. So the full Great Commission is to do all four of these if possible. So for time's sake, when should I witness? All the time. No, when should I witness? Number one, I should be willing and prepared at all times to share the gospel of Christ. Just be willing and able you know, some people say, I just don't know all the verses. Well, you know the gospel. Preach the gospel. The gospel is what saves. Death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. So he said in 1 Peter 3.15, Be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh. Be ready. A reason of the hope that is within you in meekness and in fear. You know, it's a wonderful hope that we have. And speak about it. Speak about it. So how do you do that? You know, the easy way is to carry gospel tracts with you and pass them out to people. That piece of paper speaks for you. If, when you can't. It speaks for you when you're gone. They, look at, they pick it up later. They start reading. And you planted a seed that could lead to them being saved. But the, for the most part, you did what God told you to do. You went and you went. You went, right? So then, you ask God for opportunities to witness. I do this all the time. I would encourage you, pray for God to give, open doors and put people in your life that you can give the gospel to. Ask Him for it. These are special meetings uh, between you and this person that the Lord... It's like an appointment God set up. Boy, you show up for the appointment and, and then uh, say the right thing. You know, be ready... And always be on soul patrol. I like that. Be on a patrol for souls. Looking for someone who needs the gospel. Now, that's always, right? And so, that's personal 
soul winning. I call that, you know, personal. It's between me and God. I could be out there all by myself. I could be with my family. I could, but the gospel needs to be preached whether who, who it is. That's personal. That's all the time. The second one is part, uh, part test should be part of an organized scheduled time to go witnessing with other believers. And so in Acts 4.31 it says they were assembled together and the power of God fell and they went out and preached the gospel with boldness. That's organized. You know, there's, there's something to going together. Organized visitation. Organized soul winning. That God uses that. And there's structure to it. And there's camaraderie and there's fellowship with those that go out. So, but we encourage us all to do both. You know, you can't I understand you can't go every single week. Let's look at Acts chapter 5, verse 42. Find some time and way to be a soul winner. Your life will be more, it will be enriched. It'll mean more. You'll have a purpose. 542 says, and daily in the temple and in every house, they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Boy, they, they were at every, they, were at, they did it at the temple, that they did it in all the marketplaces where all the people con, uh, converse in the concourse of life, and then they went to their homes. So they didn't like me being there. Well, God liked you being there. So when I see the sign that says no trespassing, I make sure I go up and knock that door because I obey God rather than men. We're not rude. We're not, uh, we're not lawbreakers. We're just doing what God told us to do. And it's the Great Commission. All right. So let's quickly go over the essential elements of the plan of salvation in the Bible. And for time's sake, I'm just going to go through these. We won't look at the verses. I would, I would uh, encourage you to learn all these verses. Okay? Number one, you recognize your condition. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All. You have to commit, admit, I'm a sinner because I committed sin. And I fell short of God's glory. I, my life, uh, I, we call them shortcomings. They're, they're, it's uh, sin, actually. You know, so recognize the condition. You can't get saved if you don't admit you're a sinner. You have to admit the problem before you can get to the doctor and get healed. And, and, and so you have to confess, yes, I have sinned. All of us have. And so the best way to get somebody a sinner is to go over to Ten Commandments with them and say, here they are. You lived every one of those? There's not a person on earth that has ever lived all the Ten Commandments without fail outside of Jesus Christ Himself. The greatest men that ever lived failed. Why? The Ten Commandments are the law of God, the moral law of God that proves that we need a Savior. We're men that need a Savior and no man can save themselves. So number one, you recognize your condition. Get them lost before they can get saved. Number two, realize the penalty for sin. Romans 6.23, what does it say? For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That'd be number three, but the wages of sin is death. There's a penalty that goes with sin, and it's death. Uh, nobody's lived forever. 
since Adam. Everyone's died. We're right behind them. Sin brought that. And then there's a penalty of uh, separation, death from God in hell. But so stress heavily. Sin separates you from God. Sin makes, basically, sin makes you unworthy of heaven. You can't get in if you have sin, the blot of sin on you. That's why God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die for us on the cross. He died and took that death for us. He paid that penalty for us. He was the offering for the sin. He gave His soul as an offering for your soul and died in our place. And the Bible says if you will believe that, it's a gift from God that He gives to you, which is eternal life. Amen. And not a works lest any man should boast. There's no way to work it. Uh, it's a, I always say, it's the, why do we want to try to work our way in when Jesus already did it? The work is complete. We rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ. We rest in Him. He did it. All right? And, and it's best to know this. This is the key to heaven. There, there is no other way. Recognize their condition, sin, Realize the penalty for sin, death. Believe Jesus died for you. I believe that. The best I can. Without seeing it. I haven't ever seen Him. Haven't been to heaven yet. The Bible teaches me that the truth is the, this is the truth. And the Spirit persuades me. You know, it said in Luke, He said, they won't be persuaded. That's the right word. They can't be persuaded even if a man rose from the dead and told them about it. No, but through the Bible and a preaching of God's eternal Word, people get persuaded of sin and then they get persuaded of their need of a Savior and then they get persuaded that He is the Savior. And then they, what? Number four, they trust Jesus Christ alone as your personal Savior. You believe it, you trust. Let's turn to Romans 10.9. I would say memorize these verses. You realize you can just quote these to people and you're giving them the gospel? Just the quotings of the verses. So, so John 1.12 says, that, what does it say? But as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God. They received Him. Even to them that believe on His name. So, Romans chapter 10, verse 9. Anybody have these memorized? Amen. That, keep her going. If they, that, if thou shalt, y'all want to say it together? If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. What's next? For the Scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on Him shall not be ashamed. You can't be ashamed. Why? There's no difference between Jew and Greek. For the Lord overall is rich. I'm probably not quoting it just right. Unto all that call upon Him. Why? For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Calling it with a true heart. Calling with a, a trusting heart. A trusting heart. It is true. All that, all that saves is calling. But it's got to be with understanding. A little, enough understanding and trust. So when you're, when you're speaking to people, 
Practical helps. Hang them over hell and cut the thread. Yeah. Be rude. Tell them they're an enemy of God. Tell them you're going to hell. No. Be kind and friendly and courteous. And show what God did for you. Highlight the gospel plan in your New Testament so you're ready to go. You know, if you if, just have all those, those verses highlighted or get, you can use your, I, I also uh, suggest get your soul in a testament and write in there the verses so you can go to any of these, you know. And then somebody has a question, you're ready to go. And, and it's, this is practical helps to be the best soul winner you can be. Attempt to clearly explain the essential elements of the gospel. What are the essential elements of the gospel? One through four we just went through. Those are, you know, what are those four essential elements? There used to be a great track. Four, well, come now to know it. Four points to knowing you're going to heaven. It's just these four. And it's very simple. It's, it's realizing I'm a sinner. Realizing there's a penalty for sin. Separation from God. You actually owe God for those sins. And then realize God sent His own begotten Son to die in your place for sin. Obviously, Jesus rose from the dead after three days to complete the gospel. That's the death, burial. You know what the gospel is? Death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen. That's the good news. It's the best news there is. He not only died for your sin, but He rose from the dead for your life. And He ever liveth, the Bible says. It says we're saved by His life. He lives forever now. Proof that we're saved. Proof. Okay. And then give the person the opportunity to believe. Now this is tough for some people. Invite them to put their faith in Christ. Encourage them to get saved. That's the part people struggle with. You know, some people are real pushy with this. And I don't get too mad at people who are super pushy on the gospel. Better than not going at all. And, you know, give them the wonderful opportunity to enter into salvation. And get this gift of eternal life by trusting Jesus Christ as their own personal Savior. So, and there's many practical helps here. So what should I do after someone trusts Christ? What do we do about it? Well, you rejoice with him. You be excited about his decision. It says in Luke 15:10 that there is joy in heaven over in the presence of the Father, in the presence of the angels, over one sinner that repented. One person gets saved, make, causes a, a, a celebration in heaven. The, I, I think about, uh, you know, this whole thing with the uh, royal family in, in England and the big to-do there, you know, and how crazy it is. But all the nations used to do that. For some reason, the Brits are the only ones that held on to it. All of them used to do it. You know, and, the, and how the pomp that they have and the circumstance that they have for the coronation of the king and him holding the sword and holding the scepter. And him claiming that he's got the throne of David. That's the craziest thing. Well, that, that's not true, by the way. But that's nothing compared to a sinner getting saved and what's taking place in heaven. So you rejoice with them over that. 
And then number two, develop and nurture a relationship with the new believer. I want to look at this. Please turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Paul said, I travailed in birth to get to, to you know, there's always travail when someone's born. Always. There's travail in childbirth to bring forth a child. But then the real work begins, doesn't it, ladies? Raising a child to become a man or a woman, how hard that is to raise them, get them where they can be an adult. And that's the true goal. That's what Jesus said, make disciples out of them. You're trying to get them to, to the point where they're an adult and they extend to others. So we're in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, and look what he says. This is Paul speaking to the Thessalonians. Verse 7, But we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her children. Very cherishing and gentle and understanding and patient. So being affectionately, uh, affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because you were dear unto us. He said, we gave you the gospel and you believed. Now I'm going to give you my soul to get you to grow up. Paul said, my little children in whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. I think that's Galatians 4.19. Until Christ gets formed in you, the job's not done. Follow up with newborn believers. Look at verse 11. As you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children. Think about how you behave towards your own children. And then look at your converts and new, new converts in Christ in the same way. That we should walk worthy of God who hath called you into His kingdom and His glory. And... Walk worthy of Him. We're trying to get people to do this. So, what else do we do? We continue to teach Him God's Word. Turn over to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Continue people to continue in the faith. 2 Timothy 2. So Jesus said to those Jews which believed on Him, if you continue in My Word, then are you My disciples indeed. You can't claim to be a disciple and never learn one thing about Christ. That's not how it works, right? 2 Timothy 2.2 2 says, And the things that thou hast heard of Me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. It's all about teaching. Anything, any knowledge worth knowing is worth teaching. How's that? Any knowledge worth knowing. If your mother or your grandmother has the great recipes for cowboy cookies, if you don't pass them on, forgotten art, boy, that's a bad one to lose too. My, it has to be passed on to future generations. And we're, talk, we're speaking of the truth here, right? <laughs> so a disciple like women don't know how to crochet anymore you want to learn I'll teach you no I don't know I'm joking or knit or sew or cook yeah teach 
So a disciple is one who continues in the Word, follows Christ, and bears much fruit. That's what a disciple is, a disciplined learner of Jesus Christ. And then he, he, he bears a lot of fruit. If you get a convert or someone you win to Christ or an instrumental in helping get saved, and they get to that level, there's not a greater... Paul said that's my crown of rejoicing. That's the greatest thing of life right there, to see someone knowing that my children walk in truth. So the Great Commission focuses on teaching believers how to become disciples. That's what we're trying to do. Make disciples of Jesus Christ. And I, I preached this not too long ago. You can't call yourself a disciple in any category or field of life except Christianity. That's, that's separate and exclusive only to the followers of Christ. You can't say, I'm a disciple of whoever. No. Only disciples are of Christ. So... This last uh, example here says how to witnessing to people. You have to learn how to witness to people. And I think there's some wisdom in knowing who you're dealing with and dealing with them appropriately. So the story is that, that uh, in John 3, Nicodemus comes to Christ and he's a, he's, a very, he's a ruler in Israel. He's a very religious man and he's very upstanding and he's very religious, but he's lost. And Jesus has to get him lost to get him saved. He needed to be educated. Go back to the Ten Commandments and get them lost. I'm telling you, it, 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 it works. So the religious need to understand what regeneration is. That's what Jesus told him. Nicodemus, you, need to get, you must be born again. Right? Not you need to, you must be born again. You've been born of the water of the flesh. You raised up. You learned a lot of Bible. You learned a lot of the law. But you don't know how even how to go to heaven. You must be born again. And then he goes and asks uh, John 4 and speaks to the woman at the well who had been married five times and living with a man she wasn't married to then. And Jesus says, you know, you're, you've uh, got a lot of sin in your life. I can help you. I can save you. Let me. And he, he, he led her to himself. And the woman at the well got saved. What's interesting is the woman at the well went out and brought a bunch of people to him and they got saved. She was a commission spreader, uh, not even knowing what she's doing. So amazing. There's much to learn about presenting the gospel that is best learned by hearing and seeing. And you learn it from uh, different types. But uh, So all I'd say is find a way that you can be that right there. A witness for Christ. It makes life very rich. Amen. And I and it'll make heaven when you it'll make heaven that much better.